just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today, I sat down over video call with Hayley Cockman. Hayley was diagnosed with a premature menopause, or primary ovarian insufficiency, as it is called nowadays, when she was just 14 years old. In this episode, Hayley talks us through her diagnosis, what that meant for her growing up, why she kept it a secret for so long, some tips and tricks to menopause, her adoption journey, and why she has been inspired to start sharing her story publicly. There are so many gems of wisdom in this episode, and I loved getting to learn more from Hayley. I really hope you enjoy. Welcome to That's So Chronic. Welcome, Hayley, to That's So Chronic. I just want to start the episode by saying that I feel so honoured that you are sharing your story today with me and with That's So Chronic, because I know that you haven't always been so open about your story and it's not until recently that you've been starting to share it on social media. So I know that it takes so much courage. So I just wanted to say thank you to begin with for being here this evening with me. No, thank thank you for asking me. Say I feel privileged that you want, want to speak to me and share it over in New Zealand. So yeah, thanks. Amazing, because you were diagnosed with premature menopause or primary ovarian insufficiency I think is what they call it nowadays back when you were only 14 years old which to me is absolutely wild because I had no idea that that even was possible and I'm not excited that this happened to you but I'm excited that I get to learn from you today shall we start all the way at the beginning Yep. What, how old were you when you first, let's just kick straight in. How old were you when you first got your period? Okay. So yeah, so I was 12 years old um, and they started sort of, I remember just starting senior school and they started within like a week or so starting senior school. So I was thinking, oh, I'm all grown up now, but senior school, yeah. period. And they were fine and they were happening for like a year, like monthly sort of on the dot sort of thing. And then all of a sudden they just stopped. And I didn't really think anything of it at the beginning because I just thought, well, I am one of the first people out of my group of friends who've started their period. So I just thought, oh, probably just my body, like getting used to it all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I started experiencing really bad night sweats. And I mean, like pouring with sweat, waking up in the night with sweat, just completely dripping down my chest, having to get up and change my nighty because back then... 25 years ago or 26 years ago or 90s <laughs> and then yeah and just I just kept thinking like this isn't right because I don't feel ill like because I it, it felt as if I had the flu or something the way I was sweating but mm. so I didn't really feel ill with it and then I was at school and I kept getting hot flushes while I was sitting in class and I'd be sitting there thinking oh what on earth's happening to me I feel I feel weird like and I just couldn't work out what it was 
And so I said to my mum, like, mum, I, I just don't feel right. And she was like, well, how do you feel? Like, do you feel ill? And I was like, no, I just feel weird. Mm -hmm. She was like, well, what do you mean? And I was like, I don't know. I just don't feel like myself. Yeah. So she said, right, well, I think, come on, then we, we need to take you to the doctor's. So off we went to the doctor and I think he had quite an inkling quite quickly that something obviously wasn't right because he immediately said, I want to send you for some blood tests. Um, and so I had the blood test done quite quickly and then I got a letter from a gynecologist saying that they wanted to see me. So obviously that rung alarm bells quite quickly that we knew there was more to it. Mm. Not in a million years did I even think it could have been this because I don't even think back 26 years ago I knew what the word menopause was to be honest yeah it was more a older lady saying oh excuse me I'm just having a hot flush I think I'm going through the change yeah so yeah, I just didn't have a clue so yeah I went for the appointment and I had an ultrasound and that revealed that I have a wound but it is very small mm -hmm. and that they could only actually find one ovary and the ovary that they found basically didn't have any eggs in it Oh. Hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so they, I was sitting on the bed and my mum was sitting on the chair and then they said basically that you've gone through your menopause, you need to start taking HRT, um, you need to take that to protect your bones against osteoporosis and that basically you're going to have a bleed every month, which isn't a period because obviously you need eggs to have periods, but you're going to have a monthly bleed, which will be from the lining of your womb, which... Um, is in order to keep that healthy in case you wanted to try IVF at a later stage. So obviously at 14 years old, yeah. I, weren't, I weren't really understanding what it all meant, but my mum was really crying. And I was like, mum, like, it's all right. I'm okay. Like, you don't need to cry. Like, I'm all right. And she was like, is this my fault? Is this something that I've done? Could I have prevented it? And and then I remember the, the, the gynecologist saying, well, she's not going to understand at the moment anyway. It's not as if she's going to be trying for a family. And that is what I took away from that appointment, what menopause was, basically, that your period stopped and you could, couldn't basically have a child. That That's all they explained to me. So I got sent on my way and that was practically it. I've just been left to get on with it for 26 years. <laughs> Wow. Okay. So you're 14 years old. You're at school. What were you like as a child, as a teenager? Were you active? Were you like involved in all of these things? Yeah, very active, very sociable, very sporty, really into sport, to be honest. Like, even in junior school, like, I was running for the school. I was in really good at high jump, long jump, just, just very active my whole life. Mm -hmm. um, but they say that there is, the thing is, when ladies get diagnosed nowadays, they get to have some tests done to see sort of if there's anything that, that has made it happen. Right. Whereas with me, kind of, there, there was nothing. So I don't know. I think mine's just pure bad luck. Mm. Like, I don't think there's a reason why it's happened. It's just I've, I've been unlucky, basically. Yeah. What were your symptoms when all of this was happening then, when you were around 14? What was going on? So, yeah, so night sweats, hot flushes, couldn't concentrate. That was one of my main things, sort of. I'd be in school. Like, I know you're a teenager at school and you don't want to listen as it is, but yeah. it was really bad. Like, I just felt like I was I was away with a fairy sort of thing. But, say, I didn't feel ill, so I just kind of... And the problem is, is I 
I'm so used to living a life as a postmenopausal lady that for me, I don't know any different. Yeah. So like when people say to me, like, oh, I feel so sorry for you going through that at a young age. I'm like, it must be so difficult. Like it's hard enough for me when I'm this age. And I understand that because obviously people have lived their life how they felt before. But for me, I, I haven't lived a life how I felt before. I've just lived life like this my whole life, basically. Yeah. And because you were getting the bleed every month, did it kind of feel like you will were still fitting in with your friends at school? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Because I'd still be having the pains because my pains for my bleed were really painful mm-hmm. because it's, a, it's the lining of my, of my womb bleeding. So it's like pulling away from the womb. So it yeah. is very painful. Um, and yeah, I'd still have my monthly bleed and I'd still be like, oh, has anyone got a Tampax I can borrow? Or, mm-hmm. or like, you know what I mean? So I, I was still fitting in in those conversations. So so although I knew of my diagnosis, I kind of still felt as if I, I was normal. Um, and I don't really think it affected me until I was like in my mid sort of 20s, really. I remember reading on your blog, which if anyone's listening at home, Haley has a blog. The website is haleysmenopause14.blogspot.com, but it's in the show notes if you want to go and check it out. But I read on one of your blog posts that that was the first and the last time that you spoke to a specialist about this. Is that true? You just were left at 14 years old with your mum to just get on with it? Yeah. No one checked in? No, no sort of advice of where to go, what to read, any support groups, nothing. And my, me and my mum do kick ourselves now, but back then, 26 years ago, we just put our faith in the NHS. Yeah. They said that had happened, that I needed to start taking these tablets. So I started taking them and, yeah, we just... And the thing is, back then, if you had a look on the on the web uh, on the internet, there really wasn't much information, and there certainly wasn't anything available for a teenager. Yeah. So when I was reading it, I was thinking, well, that's not me anyway. I'm not fifty something years old, so yeah. that don't relate to me. So yeah, I just I just got on with it really. So you were put on HRT, which is the hormone replacement therapy. Yeah. Can you explain just what that? actually is doing it's so i have to have if you have a womb then you have to have progesterone as well which helps keep your womb healthy so their hrt is made up of estrogen and progesterone mm-hmm. so i was on a pill that which, which had both of them in and um, estrogen is a massive thing in a lady's body basically it's like the oil mm-hmm. to your body like, and when you have had, had your menopause, you're not producing that anymore. So obviously it needs to be replaced. Right. It also protects you from um, heart heart disease, um, brain, so Alzheimer's, dementia, I say. And then the main thing is osteoporosis, really. That sort of is the big one. And so by taking these tablets every day, that is helping keep these levels at bay so that hopefully these side effects of the menopause don't happen yeah so to start off with they were fine and they were sort of keeping them under wraps i weren't really having any symptoms but as the years went on so a lot of the medication that i was on went um was discontinued or there was issues with it and getting um production of it so 
I sort of swapped and changed about quite a bit. Um, and my body kind of was like, hold on a sec, what are you doing to me? So I started experiencing quite a lot of menopausal symptoms, um, which I kept going to my doctor about and he would just make me out as if not he didn't make me out as if I was a hypochondriac but I felt like a hypochondriac because he'd be like no there's nothing wrong like we nothing's showing up in any tests like there's nothing wrong basically so off you go but I knew that I didn't feel well and like my sister's 18 months younger than me and she was never at the doctor she was fit and healthy and yeah he hardly done any sport or anything, to be honest. There's me who's really active and everything, and and I'm I'm the one that was always ill. And like I remember just thinking to myself, why am I always ill? Like it's taking the mick. Like yeah, I get it. So yeah, so my the problem was is although I'd been diagnosed with premature menopause, the doctors wasn't linking any of my symptoms that I was going to them for with the menopause so right it, I just was being made to feel like I was such say some sort of hypochondriac all the time yeah because they're because you didn't know anybody I imagine that these doctors just have no information about this which just seems ludicrous to my brain but <laughs> I hope that I hope that it's a bit different now 26 years on yeah, so there is the Daisy Network now, which um, is a charity for obviously ladies who have suffered with POI. So, yeah, that's definitely, uh, if I had that back years and years ago, then, yeah, it all would have made a bit more sense to me. And I do feel a bit naive that I kind of kept myself in the dark. But I just, I hadn't spoken about it for 25 years, so I didn't realise that it was being spoken about yeah. in the way that it is on social media. Yeah, with some of the side effects that can come with going through menopause, some of them I was reading could be yeah the osteoporosis or the or sometimes allergies I was reading and breast cancer is another big one. Are there certain things that you have to do to make sure that that doesn't happen to you, or do you go for certain scans or tests? regularly mm-hmm. so I was meant to be having something called a dexter scan every three to four years apparently okay <laughs> so when ladies get diagnosed nowadays then they will be given dexter scans every three to four years so I'd never even heard of a dexter scan until last year when a, a menopause specialist doctor reached out to help me after I told my story on social media um, and she said to me so how have you been getting on over the years with your Dexter scan? And I was like, sorry, what, what's that? Yeah. So he um, said, right, well, alarm bell straight away. You need to start having Dexter scans. So when she wrote to my GP, it was mentioned in there. And then I had an appointment with him and said, so he was like, oh, have you never had a Dexter scan before? And I was like, no, because you've never referred me for one. <laughs> so, so, yeah, so he was like, oh, yes, I do agree. You do need one. So oh, I got no. an appointment free. Yeah, so I got an appointment through and I had it, I think it was the 13th of January this year. Mm-hmm. Sounds silly, but I was excited to have it because I was nervous and excited because I, I was so keen to find out how my bones were. Um, but then obviously at the same time, a bit scared because I didn't want to end up with osteoporosis or, no. or this osteopenia, which is before that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I had the scan and can't actually believe it everything come back that my bones are actually above the average of a of a lady my age so 
although I was not given any aftercare, I can be very grateful that I was put on HRT, obviously, yeah. as soon as I, I was diagnosed because that has saved my bones, basically. Um, and they also said, because I said to them that I've been very active my whole life, like I do a lot of exercise, and they said that that's also contributed to it as well. Wow. Yeah, so that was a result. Um, and then, yeah, obviously there is all the breast cancer scaremongering. So... <laughs> This is where I do feel sorry for ladies nowadays because, say, you put in HRT online and it comes up with breast cancer. Yeah. And this is where, obviously, you need to speak to someone who is more specialised in the menopause area because GPs still do relate or relate altogether as HRT, breast cancer. Like, with, with someone at my age with a diagnosis, you're not at any more risk of getting breast cancer it yeah. is more when you are at the uh, older age and you are taking it and really the figures are so low that you've got more chance of a heart disease yeah alzheimer's or something like that so you have to weigh it up and you you need really i am a hrt advocate because yeah. if i had on hrt i dread to think the state that i would be in mm -hmm. and you do have to think about your long-term health that, that and that is the thing i was wondering if we should jump in and explain what the dexa scan is just in case some people had no idea it's like this intense x-ray thing isn't it yeah so it's like say a bone scan but all they really do is um, take the measurements from your spine and your hips right okay so after I went to my appointment I was like oh but do I need to take my earrings out and do I need to yeah. uh, and he was like no no because no, I thought it was going to be like a whole body scan yeah so although you lay down and the machine does sort of go over you it doesn't go over your head or anything it is just your say your back and your hips so they do go off of the reading from those and basically say that that that's sort of the condition of your bones overall in your body so you mentioned that the hrt was also given to you that because you did have a womb and it could protect that womb if you ever wanted to do ivf mm -hmm. when you were 14 i can imagine yeah that deciding whether you're going to have a child or not is probably not at the priority list in your brain because i guess that is such a huge thing that for people who get periods, that is a huge part of it, is that maybe one day you will be able to make a baby, which, as we know, and I really hope that in 2021, a lot of people are realizing that it's actually not as simple as just deciding to have a baby. A lot of people struggle and there are so many hurdles to go through anyway. But then I'm wondering like what the conversation was around if you ever did want to start a family and how that would look for you now? Yeah. So, so for me to, to be able, if I wanted to have, say, give birth to a baby, yeah. then I would have to have egg donation IVF. And mm -hmm. um, so I could either have a family member or a friend and I could either receive their egg, which would then be fertilised outside in, in a test tube and that basically with my husband's sperm and then insert it into my womb and then we'd see whether my body would accept it. Yeah. Um, but for me, I actually didn't want to try IVF because I had found out at such a young age that I was unable to biologically have my own child. For me, the one and, and just for being pregnant for me, just it was never there. I always knew that I always knew that 
if I was going to have a child, for me, it, I would rather have a child via adoption yeah. rather than IVF because at the end of the day, although I would give birth to that baby, that baby biologically still would not be me. Yeah. I just, I don't know whether I might have in my head thought that I might struggle to like bond with that child, knowing that that child is half my husband and not half me. I don't know. Like it just, there are things that obviously went in my mind. And say for me, I just always thought I want to have a child basically via adoption. And that's what you are pursuing at the moment, aren't you? We are, yeah. So it it's like crazy because me and my husband, like I know people say, oh, like when you, it's like fate that you're together. And I do honestly believe it because he has never, ever pressurised me into IVF or anything. And it's like a coincidence because his mum is actually adopted. Oh, yeah. So, so it's just adoption in his life has not been a taboo subject. Yeah. So for him, he knows how much love a family can build via adoption. So he, he was more than happy for us to, to go down that route, basically. And he, he knew that I'd accepted my diagnosis. And say, I, I did go through a stage of feeling as if I was a failure of, of a woman. And I was in, in a good place in my head. And I was just scared if I tried IVF and it didn't work, that I would go back to that place where I was years and years ago. And it could tip me over the edge. I just I just didn't know. And I, I say it was just somewhere that I just didn't want to go. So, yeah, so adoption was always our, our, our route, basically. Yeah. What is the adoption process in the UK? And especially during lockdown, how does that work? Yeah. So it's all been done via Microsoft Teams. Okay. We made the initial phone call in lockdown, our first lockdown mm-hmm. last year. So we went into lockdown in March and I think it was about the – the end of April, everyone was sort of moaning that they were at home with their kids and we were thinking, um, we'd love to be at home with our kids. Yeah. So it was sort of that push that gave us. And because we was at home together, just us two, we sort of just kept having more conversations about it. And then we both were like, Do you know what, it, it is the right time now. Like we, we, we've got our house and say we're both – stable in our jobs and my husband did go through a couple of years of having a really bad back so he had major back surgery and like he's recovered from that now and mm-hmm. say it's just the right time so yeah so we made the initial call and then um you you get sent lots and lots of forms <laughs> it's a lot of, yeah a lot of form filling um and then it, it's, it's basically the answers on your forms to start off with whether they're happy to accept you into the first stage um, but you also do some like um, some meetings online, and they explain about like the process and everything. Um, and then they will send you like a feedback form, and then they will decide, say, if they think you're ready to go through. So, yeah, so we went, we got accepted into stage one, which was about two months, um, and it was a lot of lot of form filling again, and a lot of questions and like chronology of our life like what yeah things that have happened in our life how we've dealt with it um say our employment our school like literally like really delved into to your life basically yeah and then you had like a couple of days training we had to go on a pediatric first aid course we had to have medicals at our doctor and obviously you need to pass all of this um and then your your social worker will then build a report on you 
um, and decide whether she thinks you're ready to go into stage two or if there's areas that they sort of need to discuss with you or you need to work on. Um, and then she'll put the report through to her manager and then her manager will make the decision whether they're happy for you to go into stage two. So, yeah, so we got accepted and we are in stage two now. Yay, congratulations. Thank you. But very early days into it. So we've yeah. had we had the initial meeting where it set up our plan for the next sort of 10 weeks worth of meetings. And then we've had one meeting on our relationship and our childcare experience and that so now it's sort of weekly meetings on your lifestyle and it's basically to get you prepared for panel because we have got a potential panel date now for 24th of may okay yeah so yeah so people think that with adoption that it's a long long process and yeah i i think i did initially think that but as soon as i I got involved in the process, I realised that it wasn't so long. And yeah, it, it can be done in, in a year. So really, I kind of, although obviously I'm not pregnant, I still feel like I'm on my lead up now to, to yeah. my child. So yeah, it does. It's not as bad as everyone thinks. Yeah, it, there's a lot of work and you basically learn how to be a parent before you've even got the child. Yeah. But at the end of the day, if you, if you if this is the route you've got to go down, then you've just got to go through the motions, really. I'm so excited for you, and I can't wait to see what happens. And because you're documenting all of this over on Instagram, your adoption journey, your Instagram is at prematuremenopause14, if people want to come and follow. <laughs> I did originally start my Instagram as an adoption account. Yeah. Because I made quite a few friends on there and they kept saying to me, oh, you should start an adoption account because I've got a private account as well. And I was like, oh, no, I don't think I can be bothered. And then people kept saying, come on, Hayley, I really think you should. Like, you're really good on social media. I think you should document it. So I was like, all right, I will. And it was only, it was probably about five posts in. I then done a, this is a face behind the post. Mm -hmm. And this is why I'm on the adoption journey. Um, I can't believe I'm speaking about this. I've never posted on social media before, like, but here goes sort of thing. And I had a premature menopause at 14. And it was from that post <laughs> that life kind of changed, really. Yeah. Yeah. And so in the end, I've ended up changing my account more for menopause because I want to now hopefully help and reach out to ladies that obviously struggling and who who can relate to me really I'm wondering about life probably in your 20s and your 30s when you're navigating early adulthood and you are dating and trying to find someone to be with and whether having gone through menopause was affecting that part of your life? I'm not going to say that I was single much because I weren't. I kind of was. I suppose I kind of wanted the love of someone. So I did go through through quite a few relationships, but yeah. I found that I, I, I then was a bit, maybe a bit of a bitch really, because once it started getting a bit serious, I was like, mm, hold on a minute, this means I now need to tell them. Yeah. It now means someone else is going to know my sort of, because I kind of saw it as a dirty secret. This is the thing. Because I, I did feel ashamed of myself for, because of it. And I, I couldn't help that that's how I felt. Because I just say, I, I just didn't want to talk about it. So I kind of just buried it and, and say, felt ashamed of myself. But 
as soon as my relationship started getting serious, I was like, oh no, right, bye then. Yeah. <laughs> See ya. Yeah. So yeah, next. So yeah, I just kind of just kept moving from guy to guy really for a while because say I, I felt like I needed to be loved, but once it say it started getting to that serious point, then I just was thinking, no, 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 let's like end this now. So yeah, I, I did kind of pull away from people quite a bit. And it is still such an absolutely ridiculous thing that everybody just expects a woman to be having kids. And I don't know about you, but everybody drops it into conversation and asks me because yeah. I'm 27 now. And everyone's like, well, when are you going to have kids? Oh, don't. Did people ask you? Constantly. When are you going to have kids, Hayley? Come on, you're getting on now. You've been married for years. When are you going to knock a kid out? And and honestly, I used to be like, yeah, one day, maybe. And I, I used to think to myself, are you that sick that you, know, you can't think in your head that maybe there might be something not quite right? A reason, yeah. Yeah, like... And I'd go to, I'd, I, and I don't mean to be horrible, but going to baby showers and things like that, they are hard work when you've been dying yeah. something like, <laughs> like this. And I used to dread them. And and that's when you'd go to them and the talk would always be about, when are you going to have a kid then, Hayley? And so and I used to go to baby showers and get drunk, basically. Yeah. <laughs> because at least then when you had a drink, like you kind of like, people stop talking about it and you just sort of start start talking a load of crap because you're drunk yeah but yeah but it just yeah it was tough um and now when people say well this is a good thing about telling my story is that now most people know so I don't have to have this conversation anymore yeah but they're asking customers at work like even say to me hey have you got any kids and I'm like no they're like I'm oh, not gonna have any and now I just go no I can't have kids yeah and they're like Oh, okay. And that's the end of that conversation. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I, I say I'm just now, I can't be bothered to hide behind it anymore. So I, I feel free of it now. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I, I don't feel embarrassed of myself and that anymore. And and, I, and I'm annoyed with myself that that is how I felt for so many years because it's something that's totally out of your control. Yeah. And yeah, obviously it is tough, but it's not my fault. No. I remember you saying that your mum was wondering if this was her fault when you were first diagnosed. As an adult, have you gone back and talked to your mum about this and how she feels and how you feel? Yeah, so like my mum's been my biggest sort of rock and support throughout it all because she's her, like my sister obviously knew as well and, and a few friends knew, but my mum obviously was there with me on that day and so me and my mum are very close. So, yeah, we have spoken about it. And she's always just said to me, whatever you want to do, obviously, I'll be 100% behind you. She's totally understood why I've not wanted to try IVF. Mm -hmm. um, she's so excited now that, oh. obviously, we're on this journey. She's like, when can I start buying things? I'm like, mum, <laughs> calm down. Like, we've, we're going from our age range is 0 to 4. Yeah, so, right. And, and our social worker the more she'll get to know us the more she'll be able to say like look I think you will suit a child of this age yeah and the more we're going through it the more now we are realizing that we don't really want that baby baby and yeah. we want more of a toddler yeah so my mum's like well can I start buying things I'm like 
Mum, I don't even know if we're gonna have a boy or a girl yet because say again we've not got a preference. Yeah. So yeah, she is really excited and I think I have had a, such a good relationship with my nephew growing up. Mm-hmm. Um and I've been like a second mum to him. So and I and I did actually qualify as a nursery nurse. Yeah. <laughs> even though I knew that I couldn't have children. I went to college and done childcare and although I don't do it anymore, I, I am very I am a very maternal person. Like kids do warm to me and like and I and I am I'm not boasting, but I am good with kids. So yeah. I think everyone's just excited for me to to have my own child that I can sort of say just have as your little best friend don't yeah. you like you're never, you're never gonna be bored ever again because you've got <laughs> you've got your little little child with your son I can imagine any mums listening being like yes you will absolutely never be bored <laughs> ever again I promise you <laughs> I must admit I watched eight hours yesterday of a series and I was sitting there thinking because some people are like, oh, yeah, I watch it over three days. I'm like, oh, I've watched it all in a day. And then I thought, yeah, I need to make the most of this because this is not going to happen much like for much longer. <laughs> Do you have any tips for anybody that's going through menopause and perhaps they're getting the night sweats or the hot flushes or a lot of the symptoms that come with menopause? Do you have any tips or tricks that you have learned to help manage your symptoms? Um, well, HRT obviously is the best thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can also get, and um, I don't know if you if you've heard of them or if, if they're sold out there. I don't know. They're called Star Power Gummies. Okay. Yeah. So I do take. They do a, like a menopause one, which has got like um, sage, back black kush. There's sort of things ingredients in them. So yeah. Um, and then I've always taken like a multivitamin, vitamin C, vitamin D, um, cod liver oil. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've always taken things like that. They do actually do clothing as well, if oh. you ask us. Yeah, so um, the, there's a company over here called 51 Apparel. I'd imagine that they were shippable, but yeah. say there are there are clothing ranges out there that actually have certain fibres for ladies that are suffering from hot flushes and that as well. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know about them until I opened up um, and they actually contacted me and I'd done sort of a little promotion thing with them. Yeah. Then... Basically, the main thing I think is really is just finding your tribe of ladies that have gone through it because the thing is, yeah, you've got your friends and they will listen to you, but they don't understand because at the moment, for me, even now, I'm 40, I have five friends who are pregnant at the moment. Yeah, right. And, And they... At the moment, menopause for them is far, far away from their brains. Like, say, yeah. they're still having babies. So to find your tribe of ladies who understand you and who get you is a massive thing, I think. And I, I have made friends on Instagram now with people who I talk to every single day. Like I, I've made friends with someone. She just had an operation, and I've sent her something through the post. Like, because... You just know how they're feeling and yeah. just to receive that little something that someone's thinking of you, or, so, or it, it really does mean a lot. And I think that's why I love all of this work that the podcast is doing with connecting people and helping other people hear other people's stories of really similar situations because I can only imagine that there have been times in your life where you must have just felt so incredibly alone and that nobody was feeling like this. Yeah, there were times when I kind of went into like a little bit of a hole that I would 
I didn't want to go out. I didn't. I didn't want to see anyone. I just because I didn't want to go out and then have to have these conversations about why I didn't have kids and things. So yeah, I did. I do like me time even now. Like, I do quite like being on my own because I think I've just it's myself that's got me through it really. Yeah. Mm. So it was last year in 2020 when you started sharing your story on social media. What inspired you to do this? Obviously the adoption journey that you were documenting, but what made you go, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to tell the world that I went through premature menopause. Um, so the adoption, so I wasn't expecting it to be how it is now. Like it has gone. Yeah. Um, I have so many things in the pipeline, which unfortunately I'm not allowed to discuss, but it, yep. it will come apparent soon and it has gone crazy. Um, but we're so excited here. <laughs> posted, obviously, but yeah, I just, do you know what? With adoption, it's so big now that you've been honest with your child. They, It's not meant like to be kept a secret that they've been adopted. Yeah. It, it is about being honest. And I just think that if I'm going to encourage my child to be honest and to, for them to know about their heritage, their background, say where they've come from, I need to be honest with myself. So it just the it's the adoption that gave me the strength to be honest. Yeah, basically. Mm. And how has it been received? Yeah, um, crazy. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it is like. Because for years, doctors used to look at me as if I was some sort of freak. Mm. Like I would go and see a different GP about something and they'd be like, oh, why do you take HRT? And I'm like, well, because I've had a premature menopause. Oh, you poor girl. And you'd think, I really don't need to hear that from you, thanks. No. Like you're meant to be a support person for me and you're now making me feel like I'm, I'm some sort of freak. So it kind of, to now get all this recognition from it, it's kind of like, it makes me feel better about myself. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. for years I've always been made to feel as you say, I am different. And now like, it's like everyone is so interested in me. And I'm like, wow, like if I'm making this much of a difference, just telling my story and like, if I can help help people with it, then then yeah, it, it makes me feel, feel good about myself. I love that. And now a little old podcast from New Zealand has reached out to have you on the show. <laughs> Well, no, it's crazy, absolutely crazy. So I've done, uh, you definitely are the furthest away. So I've done um, Ireland, Scotland, yep. um, Dubai, well, no, um, Abu Dhabi I've done. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's, there are, but yeah, you, you've definitely won in the uh, furthest, furthest place away. <laughs> so I guess going all the way back to 14-year-old Hayley that, has just suddenly been told she's going through menopause or has gone through the menopause. Do you have anything that you would go back and you would say to yourself knowing everything that you know now? Yeah, I done a post recently and I said, if I could go back to my 14 year old self, I would actually say to her that I am proud of her because she dealt with so much at such a young age and yeah, didn't have a clue what was going on to it. Like, I just grew up thinking that I was different, but I thought all the symptoms that I was having were just normal. And say, I just wish I had educated myself a bit more or or just reached out and, and found, say, people that I, I could talk to, really. 
thank you so much for being so open and sharing your story with us today. Yeah, thank you. It's been nice to speak to you. Lovely. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. I love being able to bring these interviews to your ears wherever you may be around the world. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with someone who you think would enjoy it as well or pop it on your social media. Make sure you tag at That's So Chronic so I can see. I say it every week, but if you're new around here, press that subscribe button on Apple Podcasts, follow on Spotify and leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. That really helps me get into more ears around the world to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly hope.